And welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, this is Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway, Chuck Martell, as always, in the studio, moving with me to Saturdays, and Elsie Johnson with us. She is a uh, learning specialist, uh, learning disabilities, network registered educational therapist. And uh, she lives in Manhattan, Montana, and she is with us in the studio till 10 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, we're going to get uh, Ron Davis with us on the phone, Ronald Davis, and you definitely, if you have a chance, stay tuned for that a fascinating, fascinating story about somebody who was born with dyslexia and uh, retardation. That's how he was, uh, that's how he was described and diagnosed for many, many years. And it's a heartwarming story, almost a tearjerker when you listen to it, but this man has uh, has brought a gift to many thousands, maybe if not millions of children and more to come because of his discoveries. And uh, we uh, we are just happy that he is here, and we're happy that Elsie pointed it out to me that this would be a great topic for a program. And I'm glad we are doing this today. And I see that this is going to be a follow-up show because of the complexity and the the enormous volume of research that has been done on the topic of learning disabilities, uh, dyslexia, autism, ADD, ADHD. And we hope you will you will join the program today. We have a caller who would like to get involved, caller. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining. Your name, how can we help you, please? Oh, this is the 12-year-old. Excuse me if my voice cracks. Uh, I'm, I'm going through changes. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and the reason I say this, I went to the Livingston Health Fair yesterday, and you know how they compare your chronicle age with your healthful age. Even though I'm in my 60s, I tested out to be 12 years of age. Huh. Uh, it was kind of a, a positive thing for me. Yes. But... Uh, Here's the question. Um, as, as you know, there are numerous theories about how we have a new wave of new souls coming in. They, they're called like crystal children and... Uh, indigo. Gender. Indigo children. Mm-hmm. Indigo, yeah, that's uh-huh. the one I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps uh, the people, were, the tykes that we're talking about, uh, are so used to using uh, thought transference and spirit world without guttural uttering that uh, it's hard to learn a more primitive way of speech through the mouth. Uh, and you, you are saying that famous. There are a number of famous people that uh, go beyond the normal uh, that have been dyslexic. Uh, so, are the typical dyslexics above or below average in sheer intelligence and evolution? Well, when you say above or below the average intelligence, I'm I'm going to have to say I want to use the idea of both verbal and nonverbal intelligence. The folks that I work with, the, or, or someone that would be considered an indigo child or a crystal person, are using their other senses, or they're using their other modalities. And so, for the, from the get-go, that that would be uh, a um, a way to think about a person that has those abilities to start with. It's just which which modalities or which senses are stronger for them. But another really important component that is part of nonverbal thinking is the idea that when a person is, is uh, thinking in the way that you're speaking about, they are doing what we call disorienting. Mm-hmm. And disorientation simply means that your brain is taking in what your mind's eye is seeing and your mind's eye is that part of your brain that is your imagination or your creative abilities 
Mm-hmm. And so what your real eyes and what your real ears might be taking in does not, is not going into your brain at that same instant. What's coming into your brain is what your mind's eye, those cells that are activated when you're disoriented, are bringing into your brain. And so, for example, I can talk about a student that I worked with a couple of years ago who uh, mom had done some research about her online and was very concerned because she thought she was um, so different because of the things that she could see around people, the auras, if you will, and uh, didn't know what to do about that because at the same time where that, well, that's a wonderful thing for Hannah to have, the thing that was distressing for her was that Hannah was having a very difficult time with being able to do the kind of reading that was required at her level in school, and she was an early elementary student. Uh, she wasn't getting the picture about what she was reading, and she was not able to read as well as the other children. Mm-hmm. And mom knows she's an intelligent child. Mom and dad are, are intelligent people, as is Hannah. So she wasn't getting um, she wasn't getting uh, the punch for her. She wasn't getting the energy out of what she was putting into it. She was working hard and not getting what she could. Yet she had this wonderful ability. Yeah. And so that's a perfect example of how nonverbal intelligence, when a person uh, is is uh, employing their nonverbal intelligence or their picture thinking, oftentimes they're using they're in a state of disorientation. Mm-hmm. So does that make did sense you, to you? Yeah, yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure I heard an answer. Do, do the uh, dyslectics tend to have uh, more capacities for like telekinesis and ESP than uh, the average person? I would say yes. Oh. Well, that's, that answers it. That's uh, the bottom well, line, yes. Well, the uh, I guess I was going into the explanation more than the yeah the, than the, than the quick answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I listened to Ron Davis' uh, preparation for the show, Daniel, um, he was talking about the crystal and the indigo children uh, briefly, and he mentioned uh, he doesn't call them that way. He calls them the new ones, the new ones. Oh. And he said that uh, one thing, and he may be able to explain that, but he's talking about the IQ level. And uh, Ron Davis himself was diagnosed as the having the IQ of a chimpanzee, and yeah. he only had an IQ of 40. And so that was because he didn't speak till he was about 17 years old. And uh, so it was very, very hard. Now he is in his late 60s, and you'll be surprised to hear him speak. But uh, he was all of a sudden diagnosed at the age of uh, 17, I think, as uh, having an IQ of 137. When they decided to give him an IQ test. Yes, mm-hmm. and so then he found out that by the time he was 19, he was teaching cal- he was teaching calculus to uh, to other students. And uh, yeah, yeah, so, they but, said that Einstein yeah. had the trouble uh, learning to read too. Yeah, Absolutely. he took him a while to get to get going as well. But what he says is that these new children that are coming in seem to have an IQ of above 180 and he said right now there is research being done on a child a young boy in New Zealand who has an IQ that is unmeasurable they say it is above 250 and they say that uh, uh, the IQ that these kids bring with them he said if we if when you just change when there is change something uh, change happening that means we have to let go of something else and he said so we need to accept the fact that as these new children come in with these enormous IQs which is by the way worldwide it, it, it crosses cultural barriers and he says this is something we're going to have to accept and if we cannot accept that but put these kids in a classify if we classify them as being autistic 
or ADD or retarded because we don't understand at this level what these kids have to offer. He said, we'll find out that within two generations, we probably self-destruct. And so he is very concerned about us understanding the changes that are happening in the new batch of children, so to say, that are being born with these enormous IQs that mentally we don't understand because they have a different way of communicating with us and developing and we need to learn that and so the work that you're going to hear about today is uh, is moving in the right direction all right well, here i'll give a simple yes no question then i, I can leave and you can continue on uh, all right now uh, uh benjamin franklin was supposed to have they estimate the highest iq of any american uh, was uh, benjamin franklin listed in this uh list of uh dyslexics um i'll let you know let me see political leaders Winston Churchill, King Carl Gustav of Sweden, Michael Heseltine, Andrew Jackson, Thomas Jefferson, John Edison. Kennedy. Uh, these were politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, it says uh, Gavin Newsom, the mayor of New York, uh, of San Francisco, Nelson Rockefeller, Paul Wellstone, Woodrow Wilson, and George Washington. Uh, he is not mentioned in this one, so he oh. probably just had a good IQ, and he was not uh, dyslexic. Yeah, and then uh, worldwide, the one estimated with the highest IQ, to, uh, of course, they didn't have two tests back then, was Wolfgang von Goethe. Goethe. Uh, Wolfgang mm-hmm. von Goethe. Mm-hmm. Goethe. Okay, well, that's All right, good. well, I'm going to go. Thank you very much for the call, Daniel. Right. Okay, right. bye-bye. So uh, if you were to describe dyslexia, what would you say dyslexia is? Well, dyslexia is a set of symptoms. Oftentimes when a person is diagnosed as dyslexic, what is being diagnosed is the difficulties mm-hmm. that are happening for them in a setting where they're expected to be able to use symbols to either take information in with the receptive skills of reading mm-hmm. or use those same symbols symbols to put the information out it could simply be with spelling or it could be with putting words letters together for words mm-hmm. uh symbols are, are are the death or a very they're a trigger for people that are dyslexics because symbols are um they don't hold they don't have the meaning that they do automatically for a word thinker mm-hmm in, in the idea of language, uh, if you put the filter, put those glasses on again and think about learning with the idea of how um, language has three things. There's three parts to every, every piece of language, whether it be a letter or whether it be a word. And that is what that symbol looks like, which is what we see when we use our eyes. Correct. What that, what that symbol sounds like. If we're mm-hmm. able to put a sound to that symbol mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what that means, okay? And this, we have symbols in math, we have symbols mm-hmm. in reading, mm-hmm. and those are pretty much the, the limit of our symbols. In reading, we not only have letters, but we also have these little squiggly other black lines on the page or black spots on the page, which are punctuation. Yes. And it, there's a big difference if you are reading something and there's a place for you to pause and or, or there's not a place for you to pause. Mm-hmm. I use a sentence with my students when we first check for triggers and punctuation and it goes like this. Um, I'm hungry. Let's eat grandma. Or I'm hungry. Let's eat grandma. 
There's yeah. a, you know, if you hesitate at the wrong that's spot, right. then that's it could right. be, it's a very fun thing for, for depending on the age of the student, we'll yeah. do different yeah. things. But you see, those are symbols that are involved. And the, the dyslexia, to go back to your question about dyslexia, dyslexia is, uh, 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 when symbols trigger a person to become disoriented, mm-hmm. which means their brain stops taking in accurately what their eyes are seeing and their ears are hearing, then they replace that with other conceptualizations. They okay. have to have a concept or an idea mm-hmm. in order for that mm-hmm. for in order for them to make sense out of these things. Right. So the idea of dyslexia could be someone that's diagnosed with an inability to read. Or they might be able to read. I remember a young man, 140 IQ, could read anything. But if he tried to compare that thought to some other source, he wasn't able to illustrate his understanding or his comprehension of that material by comparing it to something else. Mm -hmm. His ability to comprehend it and put it out in a way that showed he had a comprehensive understanding of it did not exist. So he Mm -hmm. would be considered dyslexic in that way. Although he could regurgitate to you exactly what he read, or he might even be able to tell it to you with a little bit of different words, but to truly get, he didn't get the picture, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. which is another cool part about picture thinking is that you get the picture. When you said earlier about whether or not you could get something, that's part of actually the lingo of picture thinking. Do you get it? I see. Do you get it? Right. Uh, and so as a result of this, um, the way in which the information is perceived or not perceived creates these problems um, in, in reading or writing or even putting your ideas out or listening to someone and taking what they're saying to you in a different way than it was meant to be taken. Now, when, as Ron Davis is going to come on, uh, we're going to elaborate even more using his words and, and the way he explains dyslexia. Uh, so... I just want to make sure that we we let our listeners know also that you do work yourself. It's called The Learning Options, and Mm -hmm. people can go to your website, Mm thelearningoptions.com. Tell us a little bit about The Learning Options, uh, how people can get a hold of you, uh, what exactly do you offer at The Learning Options? Okay, well, to start off with, The Learning Options is a uh, business that is located, to tell you the God's honest truth, I'm not in Manhattan. Oh, you're not? When I moved to... You're still in Western Manhattan. Yes, I am. I am. I am. (laughs) When I moved to... When I moved from Kalispell to here, and I needed to put down an address for myself... It, the little town of Churchill is a hill with a church and then some houses and then another church and then you go down the hill and that's the end of Churchill. Yes. Well, Churchill doesn't have its own zip code. Oh. So I we see. had to use the Manhattan zip code. Uh-huh. And so I mm. very innocently put that on my on my promotional materials. And so when people are trying to find me, they say, I'm in Manhattan, where are you? And oh. I have to say, well, I'm 10 or 12 miles away. <laughs> oh, boy. But I've learned I'm going to put Amsterdam because I, I guess I can use the word Amsterdam. But you, you see, there's worldwide. a rule people of know which where you symbols. Are. Yeah, which symbols do I need to use to express truly where I am? Yes. And I wasn't using the proper symbols, was I? Uh, <laughs> <coughs> okay. Correct. Exactly. So the idea of learning options, I because of when I left Landmark and I came out west, first to Texas for one year in the city of Lubbock, 
and then up to the Kalispell Flathead area for mm-hmm. a dozen years mm-hmm. before coming over here. My husband is the uh, director for solid waste for the city of Bozeman, oh. and so I follow him and I do my thing wherever he ends up being. Yeah. So we both are concerned about resources, but in different ways, mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning options is I decided to name my business learning options while I was in Kalispell because I truly believe that people get to a point either in their own life as adults or parents of children where they see that they feel like they're out in left field, Mm -hmm. to use a picture phrase. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. just don't feel like they have any choices. They don't know what to do. They're at their wit's end. Just things are not working for them. And so what do they do? And um, I've always been a strong person for advocating for students. And no matter which state I was in, Mm -hmm. um, there's always a state organization, not necessarily run by the state, but a a statewide organization for student advocacy. And there's something in this state called Pluck, which is Parents Let's Unite for Kids. Uh And so those folks are, are a godsend oftentimes because they have family support consultants that can provide you help to how to advocate for your student within within the school system Mm -hmm. so that's one level of options Mm -hmm. but my options are totally different Um, I I named my business learning options because options when you have an option for something you can either exercise it or not is that correct you can go in different directions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you can think about it as a financial one you know Mm -hmm. do I go with Madoff or don't I you know what what do we want to do with that well now we know now we know don't Uh we yep You don't want to be what Madoff is. Well, and if you look up the word option, it means having the power, the right, or the responsibility to do something. Yeah. And so people have options. You're not at a dead end. Mm -hmm. And if you were to call me because of the name of the business learning options, I would would help you see what options that you have. Mm -hmm. So when people give me a call, they're calling because something hurts there's a problem and they need some help with it mm-hmm. it could be as simple as is there school and billings today because my my telephone my 800 number is all over oh. or it could be i have a friend whose son is struggling he's in third grade um he mom thinks he's doing okay he's getting tutoring help but he's not he's falling further and further behind yeah what can i do to help them with uh-huh. that mm-hmm. or um uh, my my daughter, who's a 4.0 student in school, oh. is doing excellent, but I'm so tired of helping her. <laughs> I want her to become more independent with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then I ask them to tell me a little bit more about what's going on. And if I feel like the student or the person that needs the help is strong in their nonverbal intelligence by some of the things that the person on the phone is able to share with me, Mm -hmm. then I will go further with them on what to do about that because I work only with people with strong nonverbal intelligence now. Okay. And the reason for that is there's great help (laughs) for verbal thinkers. That 80% of the population, that's the verbal thinkers. The people that I work with are either purely on that purely 20% nonverbal or picture thinkers, or they're so strong in that way while being weak and being able to understand how to figure out how to say words because of the letters. Correct. That they that that's a difficulty for them, or they may be able to say words like the 4.0 student. Not a problem. They can read what those words are. They can read it. So they have two parts of that language. They have what the word looks like and what it sounds like, but they don't truly know what it means. So they may have a photographic memory or something? Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of people that are dyslexic are in that... 
in that percentage of the population, which is uh, a great percentage of the population that's what we call strong visual spatial thinkers. Okay. They have a great ability to be able to imprint that on their brain and be able to regurgitate it to you. I see. It's kind of like the spelling test where you memorize how to spell that word that day, but you, when you go to use it later on, you really don't have it because mm. you didn't really master the word. Okay. You just put it in there for the time being and then you spit it out and then you were done with it. Which you have then, for example, with those people that if they read, that they are very monotonous in their reading, that they don't understand, that they don't read it with the emotion that the text is written in, but more because they see the words, they just recite words without emotions. That's actually a, a very good way of saying what happens to um, adults that are able to read the words. Correct. They can read it. Uh, they are able to, uh, but they have to go slow. Okay. And when they get to the end of something, they may have to reread it again. All right. In order to figure out what it is that they just read. Okay. And then their ability to uh, understand it and use that information might be limited, mm -hmm. but not always. Each mm -hmm. person is the the whole world of individual differences is where learning comes learning comes from mm -hmm. um, so when, when, when people people call you and they say Elsie uh, there are some issues and we would like to talk with you is the first an interview over the phone or absolutely. do you say first over the phone so you mm -hmm. kind of pre-qualify them absolutely and then you say this is something I really would like to talk to you one on one and uh, no we no? will no no when a person calls uh, the, the first step is to, to ask them if they have time to have a conversation then for okay. an hour. It's going to be an hour, an hour and a half on the telephone. Wow. Because they have a lot to tell me. They are experts about about themselves or their students. Correct. And I need to know what they know about them and have them just vent to me what they see is going on. And then if I have other questions that they haven't already told me something about, I'll ask them. But what if it is a nonverbal non person? A nonverbal person, a person that's non -verbal, a, uh, that can't non -verbal talk to intelligence, me. Right. Somebody, uh, so I would say this is probably somebody who's either the parent or a caretaker of this mm -hmm. individual. So this person would really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. They, well, from what they're telling me, I get the idea of whether or not this person is strong in their nonverbal intelligence. Right. If the kind of mistakes or the kind of problems that they're telling me about are indicative of a person that's a dyslexic or a strong nonverbal thinker. Right. Then I'll know that if they say to me that they're that the, when they read or when their child reads something, they see words and they're able to maybe say them, but the very next paragraph they don't know what those words are again. Mm. Then that's a clue right away to me mm -hmm. that the person is not. Uh, they're dealing with words that are don't have pictures. I see. Mm. All right. Well, I uh, we, the music is playing, so I know yeah, the music. That. The, the yeah. <laughs> that's a nonverbal signal that that's, we need to stop. Right. Chuck is uh, hardcore when that comes it comes down to that. Now, for those of you listening, uh, we highly invite you to stay tuned for the next two hours when Elsie stays in the studio, kind of a co-host with me, and then we have Ron Davis with us. If you want to contact Elsie, give her a call locally at 282-7416, 282-7416, or toll-free at 800 276 3138 800 276 3138 or go to her website thelearningoptions.com stay tuned for Ron Davis and Elsie when Gesundheit Fisikovas will be back stay tuned please